This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's time for a one-of-a-kind poker party. Poker Night in America is streaming live from Studio 52 in Las Vegas. Join us nightly at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as some of the biggest names in poker play in the ultimate house game. Watch on the Poker Night in America channel on YouTube and Twitch or go to PokerNight.com. Poker Night in America is back and ready to party. Well, this is Betting Weekly, Extra Time, World Cup edition, and we are tackling Group F alongside Paul Carr of True Media Sports, who joins us remotely, and Chris Perry, who's in the studio as well, to take a look forward to this particular section and highlight all of the best bets. And it's an intriguing section as well, because, Chris, we've got Belgium here as the favourites, Croatia's second best inning. You tend to think it's a two-way fight between those two nations for top spot. Yeah, you certainly would do. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Belgium been one of the top teams now for, for the last sort of four or five years, haven't really fulfilled their potential. Uh, and then you look at Croatia, who have probably overachieved, obviously, getting to the World Cup final in 2018, have done really, really well in the Nations League recently. You know, but I've got a, a group of players that are, that are getting the wrong side of 30 now that really need to achieve something if they're going to do it. Uh, Paul, uh, very good day to you. When we talk about Morocco and Canada here, Canada topped the CONCACAF standings. We should not dismiss them. Morocco potentially could be the best African side. We shouldn't dismiss these two, should we? I don't think so. I mean, both have a lot of potential. You talked about their qualifying results and how well those could set them up. Both have a lot of young talent, guys doing very well in Europe, especially kind of on the attacking front, really for both sides from different spots on the field. So they definitely both have weapons. They both have question marks. I mean, that's what you get when you're looking at the third and fourth teams in the group, that they have some issues that they'll have to overcome. But both of them have the potential, I think, to get out of the group stage just because they have talent. These are not, uh, you know, it's not like they're all domestic players and that's in a, a bad sort of sense. They're all playing, not all of them, but a lot of them are playing in top leagues in Europe and contributing in very real ways, whether it's Jonathan David from Canada, whether it's uh, Hakimi from on PSG from Morocco. They've got the weapons. So there's definitely potential for one, both of these teams even to get out of this group. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because Belgium minus 155, Croatia plus 225, Morocco plus 900 and Canada plus 1200 to win the group. And you can really make a case for all four of these. We're going to talk about Belgium first of all. Uh, we have to. Um, they were excellent, Chris, in qualifying. They won six of their eight games. Yes. They were unbeaten. Roberto Martinez has been in charge for quite some time now and he knows how he wants to play his football. They have got some superstars, but the big question mark for me is Romelu Lukaku here because Lukaku's had these hamstring injuries all season long. He's got one at the moment. We don't know how fit he is. If he doesn't play, how big a blow is that for Belgium? Uh, that would be a huge blow. Obviously, then you're relying on the likes of Michy Batshuayi to come in and, and take over that 
that role in the team. And he, and he just hasn't been able to do that over the years. We've seen it on numerous occasions. Lukaku is massive. He did come back and play 22 minutes last week, but then went off with a bicep injury again. And you just wonder. I, I think he'll be fit. I think the fact that he's been picked would, would say that he's going to be fit enough to play a big part in this tournament. And, it, and if he does, and if he fires, then Belgium have got a real opportunity. I mean, you spoke about earlier about how well they've done over the last few years. They've got some brilliant players, but there's lots of players now over the age of 30 that this is going to be their last World Cup. This is their last opportunity. You know, you're looking at Vertonghen now, the Viral, Dries Mertens, Eden Hazard even, maybe even De Bruyne at 31 now. You know, they need to win it now. They need to be able to have a really good tournament now. Of course, they made the semi-finals last time around. Uh, Paul, um, as Chris has just been talking about there, you look at that back line and potentially this is going to be their last opportunity to come good. Obviously, the further up the pitch you go, the one or two more younger players. Azar's not really been doing it because of injury over the last few years. But when you look at their starting eleven, and if Lukaku is fit, it's up there with one of the best in the world, potentially. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that the front seven or so, especially, are as... You know, just about as good as anyone, assuming everybody is healthy. And as Chris referenced, you kind of you start at the top, it looks great, and then you get toward the back line, and the question marks show up. And age is a big factor. Vertonghen's thirty-five, Adwareld is thirty-three. Uh, they've got Denier, who's in his uh, twenty-seven, I think, and he's good in the middle. But you've got those two other guys that you're going to rely upon, who have a lot of miles on them, and you're playing three teams that are can all be pretty good on the counter. That's what Canada does. Morocco's got the speed on the wings. Croatia's got a great midfield to spring the counter and spring those attacks. Uh, that's where I think Belgium may get in trouble. It's just, we know they can attack. We're not sure that they can defend. Uh, maybe they can win a lot of games, three to two type of games. That's what they've, they've done a fair amount of that in the past. They might be able to do it again, but that's the big question for them as they head into the tournament. Just on that aging backline, Chris, look, we know that going to Qatar in the winter is very different to going in the summer. Still going to be hot, still yes. going to be humid, still going to be interesting conditions. There's still games during the day that are going to test players' fitnesses. If you're the wrong side of 35 or 30, it's not going to be easy. It's not. And, and it's going to depend on how well Belgium can, you know, hold on to the ball. If they can have 60% of possession in all of these games and, and be able to control the tempo of the game with the ball, then you, you feel that, that the, those defenders the wrong side of 30 are going to be able to manage it. But you look at the likes of Vertonghen. Vertonghen hasn't played that much recently. You know, hasn't played a lot of football this season. Going into, as you say, this sort of environment is going to be really difficult for him. And they're going to be tested without a doubt. But I, I just think they've certainly got enough without doubt to get out of this group. Um, and whether they'll go far in the tournament, I think, is, is going to probably depend on who they get in the next round. It's actually a really difficult draw in the next round. They get... The winners of Group E, which is either probably going to be either Germany or Spain. And if, if they get past that, then they've got a favourable draw. Uh, do you think they'll win the group? Are you pegging I, these as group winners? I've picked these as group winners at, at minus 155. Yeah, I, I think they're the class team in the group. You know, they, they have got the majority of their players fit and able to go. And I think they'll just have too much quality. Uh, Croatia are second favourites. Um, Croatia and Belgium met uh, back in the summer of 2021. Belgium winning by goal to nil. Lukaku with the only goal of the game. Croatia's second favourites here, plus 225 to win the group. Minus 210 to get out the group. Um, in terms of qualifying, uh, Paul, they topped their group. They were scoring uh, plenty of goals. They're FIFA ranked 12 at the moment. We always look at the same sort of players 
uh, the Modric and the Perisic and one or two others. And we think, can they still do it? But they always seem uh, to step up to the plate and they appear to be set for another good tournament. I think so. I mean, yeah, you're right. We've, I feel like we've been saying this is the last chance for this Croatian generation for like five tournaments in a row, but they're all still here. Not all of them are still here, but Modric as the face of that generation is still here. I think they have enough young guys that are coming in, especially in the back, guys like Gavardiol from RB Leipzig, who can fortify that defense and give them that base uh, from which the midfield can build. And that midfield is still, you know, those midfield three of Modric and Brozovic and Kovacic are about as good as any midfield three there is. So they've still got that foundation. Uh, there's questions up top with Mandzukic gone. Uh, who can fill that kind of number nine, that striker spot, whether it's you know Kramaric or Petkovic or somebody else who are, kind of play slightly different roles. So, you know, there's some questions, I think mostly at the top for Croatia, but that midfield base, a, a young defense that I think is still improving. Uh, they've got, they're in a spot, I think, where they could make noise you know, not expecting them necessarily to run to the final again, but I think they've got a real chance to make another good run. And they made the finals of the Nations League as well, Chris. And we, we yep. too may be dismissive of Croatia just generally, aren't we? You know, they, they make semi-finals of World Cups fairly regularly. They are a very good team. They're an excellent team, aren't they? And as you say, you know, when you've got Luka Modric, who's been an absolutely outstanding over the last two or three years now, he, he can run football games still, even at the age of 37. Your worry is about, obviously, the climate whether he can he can do that. But having played in Spain, he's used to playing in, in hot temperatures on a regular basis. I mean, and you look at the group they won the Nations League in, Denmark, France and Austria. Denmark and France are two very strong sides. And to come top of that group it, it is a real achievement. And it does show just what a good side they can be. I, I worry for them a little bit in terms of... They've got Modric, Dejan Lovren, Vida, who's just come back from injury, 33... They've got Perisic, 33. Kramaric, who might lead the line at 31. I wonder whether it, they're just the wrong side now and whether they're actually slightly on the, on, the, on the downfall rather than being on the up. How important do you think is the scheduling pool for this one? Because Croatia and Belgium meet on match day three. I mean, if we're expecting them potentially to have both won their first two games, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? It is, yeah. And you know, Belgium was kind of in a similar spot uh, in 2018, where they played England and they had to decide to go for it. Uh, they probably won't have the incentive issue because, like you said, if it's Germany and Spain in the next round, I mean, you know, pick it's your poison. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. It doesn't really matter. I, I, yeah, I don't know, yeah. Trying to figure out which one you'd rather play. There's not much point in that. But yeah, that third game could be really interesting. And, you know, from both of their perspectives, if things go really well, uh, they might not have a lot to play for and it'd be a chance for rest. So I would kind of expect both of them to go all out in those first couple games. You know, that second game sometimes is a place where you try to rest guys. I don't think that's the case here because if either one can win uh, those first two games, you wrap up a spot possibly, and maybe that third game is a chance where you can get some rest before that next game with Germany or Spain. Two other nations in the group as well, and we've already suggested that we know that both of them can play. Both of them are going to have a say in who qualifies, and you never know, they might get out of the group. Morocco, first of all, they're plus 900 to win the group, plus 200 to qualify. Now, Chris, I know you like them to qualify. When I look at this Morocco team, I suddenly think, oh, I know who, I know him, I know him, I know him, I know him. Yeah. I mean, they've got two of the best fullbacks around, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. Hakimi, Mazraoui, both, you know, PSG and Bayern fullbacks, they really have strength in depth. Um, Hakim Ziyech, 
has decided to go. He's back in the fold He's again. Back in the he? fold yeah, again, yeah. which is massive for mm-hmm. them. He's their talisman up front. He he can produce goals from nothing. And he's been absolutely, absolutely outstanding for them. Munir El Haddadi, ex-Barcelona forward at the top of the pitch, as you mentioned. Players that we know. You know, I mean, Harry has, has been brilliant for Marseille this season. You know, Ilias Cher at QPR is having a fantastic season in the Championship. And Naziri at Sevilla. They've got a really good strength in depth. And I think that they're going to be good enough playing in a climate that they're going to be really comfortable in and to, to cause a what would be an upset, I think, and finish second in this group. It would be an upset, but when we list the players, Paul, as, as uh, Chris has just talked about there, I mean, even when you throw in the likes of Agud, I know he's not played for West Ham, but I think he's made the squad and mm-hmm. Saeed as well. There's experience everywhere, it would appear. Yeah, what you just described is exactly the experience I had when the U.S. played Morocco back in June. And you're looking at the list of the guys, and it, it, you just you almost forget, or you, or you don't know necessarily where they're from. You're like, Oh, yeah. Like you said, I know this guy. I know that guy. Uh, lots of talent here from top clubs all around Europe. Uh, the questions, you know, the questions in the midfield, I think, you know, they like to sit back in kind of a mid block and let opponents have the ball as much as they want up to that point. Uh, it's just can that midfield do enough both offensively and defensively uh, to ge- both generate attacks on their own and prevent from the other team. But yeah, they've the style is very interesting because if they said that mid block, Belgium's going to have a lot of the ball. Croatia could have a lot of the ball. Uh, Canada, who knows? Because they don't necessarily want to have the ball, as, as we'll talk about. Uh, so, yeah, they've got the pieces. It, again, they've just got to have those opportunities to create on the wing and hope that midfield can hold up. I'd like to think, and what we tend to see with a lot of North African sides in World Cup finals, uh, and Paul's just been talking about this, you know, it, it's a low block. They don't want to get beat. The games aren't potentially great to watch. From a betting point of view, you might be looking at both teams to score no and unders. But when you look at Morocco, you just hope that they might open up a little bit and play on the front foot a bit. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, you, we mentioned Mazraoui and Hakimi, two brilliant attacking fullbacks. Hakimi, probably the best attacking fullback in world football, potentially at the moment. And you want to see them get forward. You want to see him and Ziyech create stuff down that side of the pitch, particularly. It's a really mouth-watering prospect to see those two linking up and, and get Hakimi getting forward into the final third and, and, and causing the havoc that we know he can do. Well, let's move on to Canada. Um, they won uh, the CONCACAF uh, region, as we know. They won it, Paul, fairly early. Um, some fantastic performances. I think their form dropped away a little bit once they knew that they qualified. I guess that's natural, so I'm not putting too much mm-hmm. um, form uh, or too much focus on, on their last couple of games and even the games after that as well. They've got some very good players as well. How do you assess Canada uh, in terms of maybe getting out of the group? Yeah, I think they've got a real shot. I mean, there's always questions for a team that has not been at a World Cup since 1986. There's always questions about experience. How comfortable will they be on this stage? Uh, They look really comfortable in CONCACAF qualifying. I mean, obviously, their talent level is above a lot of their opponents, but they look really good against Mexico. They look really good against the U.S. They look like they know what they're doing. They don't necessarily have to have a lot of the ball, especially against, you know, opponents that are at a similar level or a little bit better. They didn't have a ton of the ball against Mexico or the U.S., brought good chunks of those games. But they were very comfortable defensively. They weren't giving up a lot of opportunities. They can strike lightning quick on the counter with Alfonso Davies and Jonathan David and Kyle Lahren, these guys that are playing at high levels in Europe. So they know what they're doing. They have a plan. And sometimes that's half the battles. You can 
make your team better than the sum of your parts. Is their midfield and back lines a little bit old, uh, inexperienced, obviously at the global level like this, but they know what they're doing. So I think they're in a real good spot to give trouble to these teams like Croatia, Belgium, even Morocco, who like to have more of the ball that kind of plays into Canada's hands. So if they can execute on the counter like they're capable of, they've got a real shot to get out of this group. I think it's key that you can play your own game. Too often, if you qualify from an Asian Federation group or an African Federation group and suddenly mm -hmm. you are faced with playing a European side or a South American side, you have to change your style because you've dominated. With Canada, it's yeah. different. And as Paul's just been saying, Chris, you know, they can play their own game and they've got that sprinkle of stardust with the likes of Jonathan David and Fonzo David. Absolutely. And another one that we, we haven't mentioned Stephen Eustachio yeah, has been absolutely Porto, outstanding at Porto this season and, and has really impressed me. And I'm really looking forward to see, see him play on the top stage because he, he's been brilliant. But Alfonso Davis, we know all about his pace, how direct he is. Jonathan David at Lille for the last two seasons has been absolutely outstanding. So they've got some quality. It, it's, it's as, as you say, it's about the strength and depth that they have. You know, as you say, they're getting a little bit old at the back. Can they kick, can they stop the other team scoring? I think, They'll have chances on the counter-attack, but are they good enough to be able to keep clean sheets and stay in the game? That's going to be interesting. Let's just um, get the uh, selections up on screen uh, for everyone to see. We, we've talked about group winners. Chris, we know, likes Belgium to win the group. And Paul, we know, likes Croatia uh, to win the group. Um, Paul, I'm going to come to you first. You make the case here because one of your selections, and it's a big price as well, at plus 400 is Canada to be eliminated in the round of 16. That means that you think they are going to qualify. So give us your thoughts on this. How have you come to this bet? Yeah, and as we talked about, they're, they're kind of built for tournaments. They're built for playing teams that will have more of the ball than they are. And so I'm looking at the prices. You could play them to get out of the group at plus 300, which I don't mind either. Uh, if they get out of the group, they're probably playing Germany or Spain, obviously much better than Canada. And there's a pretty high chance that they won't get out of the round of 16 if they get out of the group. So I kind of see you could play 300 to get out of the group. You could play plus 400 because they're going to be a massive underdog in that round of 16 match. So you play the plus 400 now and you kind of get ahead of that uh, if they get out of the group. That's a really good bet. Really like that plus 400, getting a little bit of juice out of Canada, getting out of the section. Uh, you like Morocco to qualify, Chris? I do, yeah. I, d I just looked at the price for Croatia and I just didn't think there was any value in the price for Croatia to finish second in the group. And for me, mm -hmm. Morocco are a team that are going to feel comfortable in the environment. They've got some really good players that, that play at a very high level in Europe. And, and I think first game against Croatia is going to be the big game in that group. And Canada to finish bottom, you're going against Paul just, here with I this just, one. I, I just don't see it. I mean, they're ranked 41 in the world. They're by far the, the lowest ranked. And I know it's because of the opposition they play most of the time. But when you look at the strength in depth that the other three teams have got, and you just mentioned there, Paul, that you think Canada, Canada are going to get eliminated by the Germany or Spain. Well, Belgium and Croatia are arguably better than Germany and Spain. And, and, and for me, I, I don't think they're going to win a game in the group. Canada to finish bottom plus 100 for Chris and one more selection here this is an interesting one uh, Paul's going to talk us through this one this is Belgium to be knocked out in the group stages you don't fancy Belgium to make it out <laughs> Paul 
Um, you know, this happened every tournament. There's one or two giant teams that go out. You know, it was Germany in 2018, uh, Italy and England in 2014. There's always a couple of these giants that don't get out of the group. So, I mean, you're getting plus 400. So, you know, this is a long shot. Uh, I think there's, you know, mathematically, I think there's more than a one in five chance that they don't get out of the group. And if they don't, it's what we talked about. It's the back line that's going to give them trouble. If, you know, the midfield and attack are okay, but the back line falls apart and is giving up a couple of three goals a game, that's where they're going to get in trouble. And they've got, they're facing teams that can do that. Canada on the counter, Morocco on the wings, Croatia out of the midfield can really exploit those weaknesses on the back line. So yeah, I think it's, obviously this is a long shot for them not to get out of the group, but it happens to somebody every tournament. And I think there's a real chance it's Belgium here. Yeah, let's just finish on a positive because we've got a lot of difference uh, in opinion here, which we like on the show. We don't mind that. Everyone's got their opinion. And it's about prices, not necessarily who we think are going to progress or not. But these are two really good nations here in the shape of Belgium and Croatia. Um, Paul, you like Croatia to win the group. Uh, Chris, you like Belgium to win the group. Just in terms of how far you think that they will get. For you, Chris, obviously your selection, Belgium. Are they winners? Are they potential semi-finalists? Where do you, what do you think their stage of elimination is? That's a, a market on the Bet Rivers site. I think they're potential semi-finalists. And I think if you get to the semi-final, I, I, I think then, then it's, it's, it's good enough it's to on get the day, there. isn't it? Yeah. On the, they, they could win it. So Belgium potential winners. What about Croatia? Because semi-finalists, finalists, of course, uh, last time around when they were beaten by France. Uh, Paul, how far can they get this time around? I mean, I I don't think it's unreasonable. Uh, it's a long shot, of course, but they could make a run to the semis again. I think they're like plus 5,000 to win the tournament, which if you want to sprinkle on a long shot, I think that's as good as anything there. But they've proven they can do it. They've done it at a World Cup. They've looked good at Nations League. They have, I think, a good mix of veterans and youth on the team. And yeah, I like them to win the group, getting plus 225. And if you want to play them on a longer shot to get to just about any point in the tournament, I don't mind that either. Uh, Paul, top work. Thanks for coming on. We will speak again soon. You bet. Thank you. And uh, Chris, thanks for popping into the studio as well. Look forward to uh, watching Belgium go well over the course of the tournament. My pleasure. Uh, so that is uh, Paul and Chris's thoughts when it comes to Belgium. Uh, Croatia, Morocco and Canada are going to be one of the most intriguing groups of the World Cup finals. Uh, make sure that you stay across all of our content on our YouTube channel. You can download the podcast as well. And of course, we will have content throughout the World Cup finals all the way through to the final on our Bet Rivers website. Make sure you stay across all our feed. Our Twitter handle is at Because We Win. Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly Extra Time on the Bet Rivers Network.